Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Have you seen the reports that are highlighting that home prices are crashing faster than 2008? Well, here's the reality. The data is actually true. Last month, according to Redfin and Zillow, home prices fell 1.5% month on month, which is faster than any month of 2008. However, we need to have a conversation. Is this 2008? I don't think so. But good news is I'm bringing on another investor who experienced that traumatic environment with me, the one and only Anna Kelly. How you doing, Anna? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you. Such a great topic. Yeah, again, when you look at the data, pe- people are absolutely right, right? The I think it was October, uh, Redfin, Zillow, all of them reported essentially the same, that month-on-month data Housing was crashing, you know, something like 1.5. I think one report was 2.1%, which is huge drops. Um, really more than we saw during the 08, 09, 2010 crash. And I thought you and I should talk about it. So, Anna, it's clear, right? The the crash we are in is going to be worse than 08 because it's, it's falling faster. And we should all get out of the way and sell everything, right? That's a loaded series of questions, right? (laughs) Um, No, we don't sell everything. We buy when prices come down, if they come down in the markets that we're investing in. So that's the first thing on a positive note. Uh, Transactions absolutely are crashing faster than they did in 2008. It was a slow correction from 2006 all the way into early 2009 with housing. There were signs of it early on. It was much slower. This is a really a dramatic fall in transactions created by a dramatically rapid increase in interest rates. We have not had an increase in interest rates this quickly since the 1970s, and it may actually be faster and higher uh, than what happened early during Volcker's reign. But essentially, when you raise the the cost of a mortgage 50% in a year, of course, transactions are going to come to a screaming halt because the affordability has just completely cratered if you want to buy a house. Yeah. So when I when I hear these discussions, which are interesting intellectually, uh, I, I think we need to remind folks one of the big differences. When you talk about 2008 and 2009 versus today, I think people forget who were the big sellers. And that's an important difference because when you look at total transactions, total transactions in 08, 09 were still 6 million, roughly. Now they're sub 4 million. And the reason that is and why it's important is banks were the sellers, right? They had foreclosed. They they had It actually became what's called REO, which means real estate owned. And they were the sellers. And one of the reasons that prices fell slowly is just like the iBuyers, right? We heard from the Redfin CEO. The Redfin CEO told you what's happening. He told you they're listing properties and every two weeks, 14 days, they drop at 2%. It's just a process to them. It's a spreadsheet with a number. Right. And this is exactly what banks were doing. Banks would list a property and then every at the time, it was every 21 days, they would adjust. 
that's one of the reasons that prices didn't appear uh, to fall out of bed, right? Um, because it was just a slow slog through the process. It was a very different environment. Absolutely. And and just for banks to even get these REOs listed, take, you know, took them six months to a year or longer to go through a foreclosure process or a short sale process when it was such a new thing to have such a mass influx of foreclosure properties. And so it was a very slow process for banks to foreclose, get them on the market, and they just continued to come on the market. Um, but they were kind of coming over a long period of time. Now we have this huge drying up of supply. Where in 2008 we had a lot of properties starting to hit the market, but but you know fairly slowly, and we had banks drying up, making it a little harder for people to buy. Now we have interest rates high and banks tightening, but we don't have this this massive amount of supply hitting the market at the same time. So this is definitely more of a demand driven um, change versus a supply driven change primarily in 2008, in my opinion. No, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Again, when I think about the rapid price drop here again, it is the affordability, right? And that's something we've pointed out. So back to your comment about possibly being the highest increase since Volcker, it depends on how you calculate it. Cause that's just how math works. If you look on a percentage basis without question, this is the highest and fastest we have ever seen. Absolutely. If you look at it nominally, Volcker did raise rates 300 basis points yes. in a short order as well, right? But they just started at a different number, so. Right, right. And, and the reality is this is going to, the crash in transactions is because interest rates for the majority of people who are buying, which are not investors. Yes, there's a lot of investors, but for homeowners and small time investors, they just can't cash flow because prices haven't dropped enough yet to compensate for the rapid increase in interest rates. And so, you know, yes, we have a massive tr crash, I guess you could call it in transactions. Oh, for I sure. don't yeah. see values falling as much as they did in 2008. So we have oh, to be really careful when you when you hear the word crash, does this mean real estate values are crashing, that they're going to go down 20 or 30 percent? In my opinion, over the the entire country, the answer is no. Will they be? Will there be certain markets or certain neighborhoods where there are all these i buyers that bought that are now unloading, where values come down? Absolutely, and that's a great opportunity for you to find something to buy. Yeah, I mean, if you if you happen to have your buy box where i buyers are heavy, man, I would be aggressive, right? I would look at every listing sixty days or older. I'd write stupid low offers because you only need one, right? Most of us right. are in a position where where we can have a hundred no's, we only need one yes. And that's that's what I would be doing for sure. Absolutely. Uh, back when I when we kind of look at, we're transitioning to a new year. And I actually think the housing market, one of the questions I got that I thought was pretty good was, are we going to be in a buyer's or seller's market in 2023? And I think the answer is kind of split. Let me just, so it's going to be a seller, a seller, a buyer's market, buyer's market in luxury. If you're looking for a luxury home, there's going to be a lot for sales and not many buyers. Move up. I think one of the things that will be looked at in history in a decade is move up buyers were dead, right? They just said, hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get an extra bedroom and double my payment. Move up. Second home markets. I think there's a lot of folks that bought second homes, maybe they Airbnb, all of that. So a lot of buyers markets, but there's also a seller's market. 
I think if you are uh, maybe a flipper, like I have two projects going on today that are uh, older homes that were beat up. I'm going to spend 50 or 60 grand repairing them. And I'm going to sell below the median, probably 10% below the median. I think, I think that's going to be a seller's market because not many people are producing FHA quality VA builders can't play there. Uh, so I, th I think, I think FHA and VA statistically become more important in total transactions next year. What do you think about that split? Yeah, generally, I think I agree with you. I mean, definitely in the higher end market, there's definitely less buyers. Um, there's, there's just fewer. And, and if interest rates are high and prices are high, you're just going to have people wait to buy those move up houses, those luxury houses, the vacation rentals, the second homes. They're just not going to be able to cash flow on them. And a lot of times these investors, they still want to be able to at least break even on their deals. So prices are going to have to fall in order for that to happen. If there's less buyers, there it's going to be a buyer's market in, in those areas. Um, you know, I'm really not sure about the low end. I, I think it really depends on the area and what happens with interest rates and how much they come down. Because essentially what's going to happen is a lot of people are just simply not going to find the houses that they want and still be able in that price range to qualify for the mortgage. A lot of them are being squeezed really tight, Michael, in terms of yeah. their savings accounts are decreasing. They're increasing the amount of stuff they put on credit. And so I think you start to see their credit scores coming down a little bit and having less liquidity, which makes it harder for them to qualify for loans. And they may just continue to rent until they can find something um, until the economy bounces back. So I still think that you have a lack of buyers compared to normal. Um, and if there's a lack of buyers, I think it's going to still be more of a, a buyer's market because the sellers that have to sell yeah. are the ones that are selling and they're selling because they're motivated. So I tend to think it's going to lean more buyer's market across the board, but like you know, it just, it, it, it's hard to say. No, I love that. And then the closing thought on this, this is something that came from John Burns Real Estate Consulting, specifically Rick Colisios. And it's something I've been asking myself. How many people who wanted to sell their home, didn't get their price, took it off the market, and now turned it into rentals? So Rick put out a series of tweets the other day. I'll just highlight two numbers for you or two categories. Nationally speaking, in July of 22 is our baseline. 4% of sellers did that. Fast forward to November of 2022, which is the last month he has data for, 9%. So it doubled. Wow. wow. This, this one's wild. Northwest, Seattle, Portland, I'm guessing. In July of 2022, 1% of sellers took the property off and turned it into a rental. This is crazy. November, 14%. Wow. That's a 1,400 increase. Wow. So- we may see some soft rents in Seattle if that's if that number holds true. What do you think? Absolutely. I, that's a huge number in Seattle. It doesn't Crazy. shock me. It doesn't shock me that they're having to resort to renting them, right? Because they can't sell them. Seattle was such a hot market and prices were so high. And I can tell you, Michael, I have students and I have friends who are investing in that market. Nothing cash flowed. Everything bought in that market for the most part was bought for appreciation. So when that appreciation story stops and it comes to a halt and now it's stagnating or potentially coming down in that market, 
people can't sell without selling at a loss, even though they have this low interest rate mortgage. And so that type of market necessitates, hey, I can't sell for a loss. I don't have the money to come to the table with. So I better put a tenant in there and at least try to preserve the asset, preserve the capital. So that huge number shows that there was pain in that market that necessitates that's what they're doing. On the good side, if they were smart, they have very low rate long-term debt and they can afford to just float the property, ride this thing out and have a good tenant in it as long as there's enough housing demand, you know, to meet that supply. So I'm curious of that 14%, how many were successful in getting renters? Yeah, that was not in the data, but I'll ping Rick and see if he he has that data. But Uh, that's a really smart thing to do. You know, when you have rapid changes that you didn't anticipate, the great thing about real estate and single family real estate is you you have multiple exit strategies. If you can't sell and profit, hold on to the asset. People need housing. Ride it, cash flow, preserve the asset. And over time, values will bounce back. And so it's one of the things I absolutely love about real estate. You can't time the market perfectly, but you have options. Yeah. Anna, where can people find you? You can find me here every week on my playlist on your channel. You can find me on social media at Anna Kelly, REI Mom, and on my website at REIMom.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.